Welcome back to another episode of the Casa de Confidence podcast. On today's show, the incomparable Judith Gatton. She is teaching you to show up ready to conquer and slay with wearing the right clothes. Welcome to Casa de Confidence, a podcast for women and some cool dudes going in the direction of their dreams and the confidence it takes to reach them. I'm your host, Julie DeLuca Collins. And your sidekick, handsome hot husband, that again. I am a dreamer, a traveler, a visionary, and risk taker. I am a lover of books, activist, philanthropist, and most of all, we are a supporter of people and their dreams. If you stumble into the casa for the first time, welcome. If you've been here before, we're so glad you're back. Grab your drink of choice, settle in and make yourself at home. Did you just say slay? Wait, who taught you that word? I use that word. That's 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 like a word of the youth. First of all, old man, oh. slay is a word we can use. Slay. Like <sighs> Like what if you break into song? When you're jing, jing, jingling, jing, jing, jingling through on a sleigh ride? No. Slay, like slay the dragons in the world because you look good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy, Dan. <laughs> I know. I know. Listen, you're looking stylish today in your pajama bottoms. You like that? In the middle of the afternoon on a Wednesday. On a Wednesday. Mm. Oh, my gosh. You just broke... The fourth wall. It is uh, yes. 59 degrees in sunny Connecticut today. And we are recording a little early this week. We've never we done are this. Go- yes, we are going to a wedding this weekend. Yes, we are. In the Tampa Bay area in Florida. Florida. We're going to go and uh, see Valerie DeLuca, no relation, get married. Yes. Valerie, my student. Oh my gosh! Can I just tell you, mm-hmm. she was so stubborn as a little girl. So she was your student. Yeah. And now she's getting married. And she refused to take naps. Oh my god! She <laughs> would like. Okay, this is going back. Valerie Deluca would only come to school part time, and mm-hmm. I had her first cousin Amy right. in my class. And Sarah and Amy were in my class too, both her cousins, sisters. Anyway, so everybody would go down for a nap and Valerie would just look at me like, I dare you to make me fall asleep. (laughs) And I would look at her and I'm like, lay down, Valerie, lay down. You're going to wake up people. Because people thought like people, the other classmates thought that since Valerie wasn't sleeping, they did not need to nap. And let Mm. me tell you, I needed them to nap because I needed to nap myself. Because it was exhausting having to be there on time, early in the morning, and work all day. And then I had another part-time job. You weren't making your own hours back then? No, I wasn't making my own hours. And then I would go from that teaching job, I would go over to the church. And I didn't have a car back then. I would take the bus. And let me tell you, in Miami, you don't take the bus. Mm. You drive everywhere but i was the person that took the bus because i couldn't afford to pay for a car Mm. and i would take the bus and then i would walk the 25 minutes from the bus stop to the church and i would hope that in the evening i would get a ride home oh my gosh those were the days those were the days can i tell you when i got my first promotion Mm -hmm. um and i went and i started earning six figures I real I cried because I figured out that what I made an hour was what I used to make. Oh, I get Clem thinking about it. What I used to make in one paycheck mm. weekly at working at the church only because then I quit my, my anyway. The, yeah, and really? I was very emotional because I thought, wow. That's that's crazy that in one hour that I'm sitting here and half of that hour I was in the conference room having coffee and bagels. But I earn more in that hour than I earn teaching children, creating curriculum for my youth group, um, 
taking the kids in the youth group, talking to parents, getting yelled at by parents. Oh mm. my God, that was crazy. Anyhow, we have all moved on from that, right? <clears throat> yeah. But I don't trade the experiences because it is what helped me um, know what I exactly wanted to do, what I meant for it. Not that I didn't love that job because I did, but I know that I want it more. And right. that is why I know that there's many women um, who have great jobs that they love, they enjoy, they're good at, but they want more. And that's why I want to help them get it. I want to help mm. them get it so that they know that their dreams matter and that they're making an impact and they, they too can change the world with what they're doing. So. Cool. Anyhow, uh, speaking of changing the world. Yes. What's up in your world today? My world. How am I changing the world? Yeah. Or what's up in your world? What's up in my world? Well, we haven't really talked just got, a lot. It's well, been a busy week for me. It has been a busy week, and I, I just got home from work. And and you've been going to bed before I get to bed. Yes. Well, you've been booking meetings at 8. So I have actually been going upstairs at 8, going hmm. to bed early, and going into work early. Yeah. That way, you know. But you know what it is, is there is the West Coast that typically that's five o'clock for them. So it's eight o'clock for me. Oh, your meetings at your yeah. bed. Yeah, that's or fine. Also, no, I don't mind you having meetings. I know you don't late. mind because you go to bed and then you turn the television to whatever channel you want. Hey, I put it on the love boat and fall asleep. <laughs> oh, last night I fell asleep in some awkward position. My back is mm. killing me this morning. And it, it, Anyway. You yeah, smacked me in your sleep with your big I? arm. I smacked yeah. you? You were laying in your back. You must be subconscious. You were frustrating really? me in my dreams Oh, my gosh. He's laying on his back, <laughs> and he, like, push. I, like, I'm, I'm laying sorry. there, and, like, this big arm lands in my head. Sorry, and you know dude. what broke the, the, the hit what? of your arm falling on my head? A dog? Yeah, the poor dog that you, like, crushed Aww. with your arm. And he, Aww, like, baby. crawls underneath. He's like, oh, my God, what the heck just happened? Which dog was it? Simbi. Aw. All four pounds of him. Sorry, Simbi. I should have hit Yogi. Oh, my God. More <laughs> my poor Yogi. Don't Yogi. Oh, my God. He's a good him. boy. He's a good boy. Yogi, yeah, no, nobody hits dogs he here. Is, oh, so next Friday, Yogi's mm. getting surgery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mama's not going to be here. He was supposed to get it a while ago. But yeah, but Mama's not going to be here for that no. surgery. Where are you going? I'm going to be in Pennsylvania. Ah, a little meetup with some... with the beach uh, with the the boss bitch crew. Whoa, language. Ah, uh, you know, people know this lane. This podcast is not mince words. Well, we try not to mince words. Too much. We try to mince words a little Listen, bit. Listen, so if I were doing those on my own, I would well, be a little more explicit. I don't want to have to put an explicit. I know rating. you censor me a lot, dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Yes, my love. Dude. Yes. <laughs> What's up? I love saying dude. It's such I, a word. I know you do. You and your sister. Dude. Dude. Which, by dude. the way, dude. Speaking of, dude, where's my car? My niece oh, called sorry. me. That's 90s, not 80s. But my niece, Amelia, called because she is running for class president. She was asked to run for class president because she is a leader, not a follower. So So proud of her. Apparently, all these years of me saying, Amelia, don't forget, you're a leader, not a follower, and Mm. everything is figureoutable. It's sinking in. Cool. I know. That's my little contribution to the world. Hmm. Anyway, Julie... Wait, I have to say something I, that... Okay. Yes. No, go you ahead. go. You go. Go ahead. I was going to ask about our guest today. Oh, I love her. She's got the most awesome podcast that really has had me thinking in the last few weeks. And mm-hmm. I asked you this question, and I think you thought it was a trick question. Go ahead. I said, what's my style? Do I even have a style? Because I don't think I have a style anymore. Right now you don't. At this moment. What? Here sitting in this room with you. I... I happen to think I look very stylish today. What the heck's your problem? You could show a little more. Um, no, it's, it's style uh, is not about showing cleavage. What is cleavage. it called? The de, de, decolletage. Decolletage. You could show a little more decolletage. I had a board. I had a meeting with a new incoming CEO of the United Way today. Oh, okay. So I wanted no to make decolletage. a nice impression, okay. and I wasn't going to wear a suit. Well, but when I, I to get look home from work. When I get home from work, he I expect decolletage. Here, I'll give you a peek. Here's, oh, look at that. Look at the decolletage. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, Lord, Lord, um, Lord. Happy early anniversary, Dan. 
Happy anniversary. Mm. Our anniversary is tomorrow. Tomorrow, 10 years. Yeah, 10 uh, years. I am, it's just so, I have to say, thank you what for wonderful 10 years. Oh, thank you for a wonderful six years. What? I, what? You were married, were married 10 years, dumbass. Well, I had a wonderful six. What, Spread out years? over time. Four years you didn't like? Well, four years. That's kind of sprinkled to and fro. Oh, my God. Can you please explain I to people what you're talking about? I am just kidding. It's been an incredible 10 years. I couldn't have imagined when I first met you no. that we would have been married for 10 years. And after that 10 years, I'm ready for 10 more. First of all, I Only want you 10, to clarify though. that you were really joking. People are going to say, I like, oh, my God, joking. he beats her in his sleep. And then he only thinks they were had really? six good years out of the I 10. I think I get Jesus. hit far more than you do. <gasps> What's, you're, what are you implying? <laughs> Nothing. You know, can I just say, I have a wedding picture on our desk. I would never. Never what? I would never do anything like that. I know you would never. Okay. I'm just saying. I know. Look, I look weird. at our picture. We're, we're uh, yeah. Okay. I look at our picture of our wedding. Oh, and, look at that. It's right on your desk. Yeah. What was the best part of the day? The day? Okay. How about we go here? How, what was the I best know. part of the day before our wedding? The day before our wedding. Yeah. Remember, let, let me refresh. Refresh what was, my mind. Refresh your mind. Okay. So we got married on a Saturday, and it was a Friday. We went to our rehearsal mm-hmm. at uh, the Riverview, mm-hmm. and you wore a T-shirt that says Team Groom. Yeah. I wore a T-shirt that says Team Bride. Yes. And then we went off to get massages, a couple's massage. Mm-hmm. And then our bridal slaves <laughs> <laughs> came back to the house and set up um, food and drinks. Because we weren't having a rehearsal dinner, dinner, but we were having a come to our house, open house for everyone who was out of town, who yeah, was ninety nine point nine percent of everyone. Yeah, we played that string game or something. Oh my god, my dad! Yeah, my, my dad, dad came up with some game. Freaking hilarious! My dad was, was the good. life was of the time. party. Oh, I love him. Anyway, that was that was a great night. We had it a good was time. fun. It was fun. And the next day it was even better, and we had a good time, and mm. we made sure. Everyone got to the hotel safe. We provided a bus. And then the party continued there. Yeah. Our wedding was at 11.04 in the morning. And then... What was the name of the restaurant? The First and Last. The First and Last Tavern, right? Yeah. It was right next to we the We had hotel. a bus that took people back to the hotel, and then they could walk over to the First and Last. And then we had an after party at the First and Last. Mm-hmm. And then that party started at 6 p.m. because our reception ended at 4. Um, and then from the First and Last... Uh, the party party people closed out the first and last. And became the obnoxious people in their hotel room making noise for other people. Because we were playing, we were having a ping pong, a beer pong tournament. It wasn't a tournament. It well, was just, it was, we were just playing beer pong. We were playing beer pong. And so, then. But it was fun. We had a great time. You and I finally retired to our honeymoon quarters. Where people had, uh, our friends had, like, we couldn't even get into the room because there were so many balloons in the room. Remember that? Yes. And we just went to sleep. And we just went to sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. Anyway. Anyhow. All right. Well, it's uh, an amazing time with you. I can't wait to some Mm -hmm. more amazing times. But um, I love this conversation because ladies and gents, if any gents, you have got to, no matter what is it that you're doing in your life, whether you're be teaching or whether you're in an office or whatever it is, it all begins with the right clothing, the clothing that makes you feel good about yourself, about the things that you do, about the person who you are. And, you know, my dad was used to say clothing sometimes makes the man and in this case, the woman. So... Listen to this wonderful interview and make sure they, you know, tell us on social media. Did you like it? What was it about the interview with Judith that really resonated with you? By the way, also, I sent an email this week and I'd love to hear if this resonated because something resonated with me this week. I realized that what I do is so important 
because it is creating a ripple effect in so many different people's lives. Um, So I shared my heart on an email this week. And I don't do this. People tell you you're crazy for doing it. But I've decided that I am going to open up a few one-to-one coaching slots. And it is a limited time. And if you want to know more about it, text me, call me, Instagram me, TikTok me, whatever it is. But again, um, this is a little bit out of the plan. But I decided to do this because this past weekend, I saw the impact that having the right support one-to-one can make in someone's life. So with that, I leave you with our guest, Judith Gatton. Get ready to conquer and slay. Was that good? Mm-hmm. Okay. Very good. All right. Goodbye. Julie and Judith. Hi, everybody. I am so excited to welcome you back to another episode of the Casa de Confidence. Wow. I have a rock star for you today. I've been wanting to connect with this amazing coach and individual because, first of all, when I hear her podcast, she rocks my world. And and a lot of and, and I found a lot of similarities. She was brought up by a lot of strong women. But welcome to Casa de Confidence, Judith, Judith Gatton. I didn't mean to mess up your name, but please introduce yourself. <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, and it's probably you're naturally wanting to say Judith, right? Yeah, like of so course it so. kind of comes out. Yeah, no worries. Yes, no thank worries. You. Hi, everyone. I'm Judith Gatton. I am a master style coach, and I primarily coach curvy women on their style and confidence. So I'm just really excited to be on your podcast because I feel like it's a natural sort of buddying up, and it's going to be such a good conversation. So excited about this because here's the thing. There is no secret here. I have been a curvy girl my whole life. Even when I was at my skinny weight, you know, when junior high, I was curvy. I had the hips. Uh, I'm part Puerto Rican, part Salvadorian, and a little bit of who knows what else, right? Italian in there somewhere along the line. So I have these natural boobs and curves and hips. And I think that, you know, sometimes we spend so much time hiding our bodies and not necessarily uh, accentuating and really coming into our own skin. And I love that this is what you do that you help women just be empowered and love what they wear. So, because sometimes what we wear definitely impacts what's going on in the inside. Don't you agree? Oh, totally agree. Yeah. And the shorthand for what I say to my clients is like, love and dress the body you are in right now. Mm, so, so good. Like, yeah. In your skin. I love that you said that. Just that's, that's what we do around my house. <laughs> so. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. You know, I have to say that as I was preparing to talk to you, I, I, I kept going through some of my history, the stories, the belief systems that I've had when it comes to dressing, when it comes to what I wear, not wear. Um, but before we get into all of this, I want to explore a little bit about you and let's talk. How did you get here? And I know that you're an attorney, uh, also by trade at one point, but Tell us your life story. <laughs> okay, quick. Well, right. In a nutshell, um, all, um, Puerto Rican background, um, and it that's kind of lends itself to a lot of the story, right? So, like, I think similar to you, we talked about this a little bit before the call. Is like we both grew up around really strong women. Strong women ruled the roost. And I originally went to school to be a fashion designer. Mm. And my family was on board. Like, I really have to say, for the most part, everybody's like, "That's what you wanted to do. Go do it." And then somewhere along the way, I got some really just like negative feedback from a professor and I got discouraged, you know, confidence. Mm. There's a little bit of a kill to my confidence. So I decided, okay, the safer choice is to be a lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely the safer choice is to be a lawyer. (laughs) Right, right. And I had the one Thea who was like a really big part of my life who was like, yes, you're good at school. This makes sense. Go be a lawyer. So I was like, okay, I have my Thea's blessing. This makes sense. I'm going to go be a lawyer. And I was a lawyer for 10 years. Okay. And like, what year are we in? <laughs> no, actually. So it'll have been, I passed the bar 12 years ago in June. So we're right about there. Okay. Um, so I practiced for 11 years before I decided I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And it wasn't all at once. It was like over time inklings that I could do what I loved. I could still do style stuff. 
in a different way. Or I could, when I found coaching and I became a coach, like, oh, you can make stuff up and you can coach on it. Okay, I'm going to do that. (laughs) Style and coaching became like its own special baby and slowly building up and just helping a lot of women for free and talking to a lot of women and encouraging them. And I started my business three years ago. Okay. And then fully transitioned June 30th, 2021. Congratulations. I love that story because I think that, you know, many women feel like I, I went to school, I spent all this time, I'm doing this, and now they feel like I could never do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's, it's so interesting because I'm reading this book called Burnout right now. So it's like, so oh, such a good book, such a good such book. A good book. Yeah. Oh my God. So one of the metrics in the book and you've read it, so we can talk about this here is like, what's the, you know, the benefit to staying mm-hmm. and what's the benefit to like leaving? Right. What's the cost to staying? What's the cost of leaving? And somewhere the lever changed. So where the cost of staying outweighed any benefits. And it didn't hit me all at once, but finally it's somewhere along the way, I kind of was like, oh, I could affect more change and help more women Mm -hmm. by being a coach than I could being a lawyer. And that was the turning tide. I thought it was going to be the money, which I think is so many people like, I have to replace my income. I have Mm -hmm. to replace my salary. That that's helpful. Not going to lie. That's right, not, right. That's super helpful. And if you have a Latin family who's all like, Mija, what are you going to do? Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Is, I have one of those. How you pay your bills? <laughs> right? Like, then, yeah. So that factors in, of course. I don't want to, like, diminish the role that had in this journey. Mm-hmm. But the dividing line, the moment for me was when I had that realization. Oh, I could affect more change doing something else. And for each so of you, it's going to be different, dear listener, right? Like mm-hmm. your benefit and cost analysis, which I do recommend you do, by the way, mm-hmm. is going to be different. And that tipping point is going to be different. But pause long enough to hear when you have that moment and then honor that moment when your brain's like, oh, it's time. You know, time. you you said something that is so wise and like weigh the cost analysis. And I think that we we all come to a point and I had arrived at that point, but I was so defined by my title, my role, and, you know, I, I wasn't weighing that cost analysis. I really wanted to create a better impact. I've had it in my heart to be able to support women. And business, for me, comes very easily. I I, I don't know what it is, but, like, I could be in, you know, a, a boardroom and someone is talking about a pain point, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, you know, this, this, and then, and connect the dots. It just sort of, like... That Forrest Gump moment for me. But I I, I never, like, I always thought, you know, I'm making such an impact. I work for an organization. This is, you know, we're working in in inner city schools. I'm helping teachers. I'm coaching principals. All of that, right? I just thought that that was my greater impact. But it it wasn't that I wasn't going to make an impact as a coach. Of course, I questioned myself and, you know, we go into all that too. But I was really tied into that um, title. I was tied into that identity because that was my identity for so many years that that was a hard shift for me. Yeah. And that's, it's so interesting because I think unlike, I don't know what it is. I think it's particularly women, at least the women I coach, maybe the ones that you coach is like the roles we play somehow become our identity, right? Yep. So if you're mom, your mother, yeah. da, 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 and all the, the stuff that comes with that. Your principal, your teacher, administrator, lawyer, <laughs> accountant, doctor, architect, like whatever it is, like these roles we play, we somehow confuse like the squishy center that is us with the role that we're playing. Yeah. And a lot of, at least my work with my clients, and I'm assuming with yours, based on the way you're talking, is like separating those two things out from each other. Right. Like who you are, the squishy center of you when you mm. go home at night is separate and apart from what you do when you make money yeah. or do your job in the world. Like they're two different things. And I think yeah. if we could get every woman to wrap her arms around that. Like yeah. Sally is Sally wherever the fuck she goes. Right. Like, can I no, curse no, no you can you can curse. <laughs> I, I I love Jesus and say fuck a lot. Although okay. my husband is like, oh my god, now I'm gonna have to put a warning on this. But that's okay. Sorry, I, husband. It's okay, you're my kind of people. Okay. <laughs> but like, 
Right? So we, we so like Sally is Sally wherever she goes. Sally yeah. sometimes is mom and yeah. daughter and cousin and mm-hmm. niece right. and spouse and partner and mm-hmm. businesswoman and whatever the role she plays. But Sally's always Sally. Right. And I think like if we can get women to wrap, oh my God, I'm getting all soapboxy. But like if you can get women to wrap your arms around that, mm-hmm. your life is going to be so much easier. Right. Because then you can transition from one role to the next right? without it meaning anything about you. Yes. And I think that we make it mean so many different things. And, and you know, in, in working with women, I find that when, you know, they're tying their identity to the role, right? Mom, because that's the easiest one. Yeah. When you are saying, hey, it's okay to also be, you know, Julie, and not mom, or and I'm not a mom, but you know, that's the first name that comes to mind. I think that we make it mean that we're a bad person, that we don't want to hang on to that role. Yep. And that creates a lot of pain and it creates a lot of turmoil and guilt and anxiety for so many. Yeah. And then like and then there's the expectation that you have on you. And then add to that, we're like, whoa, well, I thought that's what you love to do. And it's like, no, no, I do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's not who I am. Right. And having to sort of retrain everyone around you as you're retraining your own brain to accept the differences and the nuances that that's what I do. It's not who I am. Right. And that's that's a whole journey, my friends. And that's okay. Yeah. But I think if we talk about it more, it'll normalize it. That if you're feeling this disconnect, like you're having an identity crisis because you decided to change roles at work or at home, mm-hmm. you're okay. You're it's okay. okay. You, I promise. <laughs> you know, I, as we were speaking, there is a quote that came to mind. And I hope I don't butcher it up. But, you know, the clothes don't make the woman, but the woman makes the clothes, right? Or I guess maybe they say this about guys. But I, I really, um, you know, was brought up in, in, in an environment in which um, my grandmother used to make clothes. She used to sew. And oh, she okay. was, she was, oh my gosh, super like talented, strong leader. But she sewed. She gra- grabbed a lot of energy and love, and she poured her heart into creating clothes. And she was the kind of person who could sew by just looking at something. And she didn't use a pattern. She would just cut it up. And yeah, not me. <laughs> I admire those women who have yeah. those mad yeah, skills. That's that's crazy amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was it was super amazing. But you know, she she always talked about how. Um, it was the woman that created, like, the I, not, the clothes didn't make her fancier or didn't make her stronger. Of course, if you are wearing something that you're comfortable in, it's going to, you know, bring you into a room and you're going to shine. But at the same time, you can wear a paper bag. And if you have the confidence in you, you're going to make that paper bag look so stylish. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's the message you got from her. Yeah, like- for sure. Because I think sometimes from, and I have a special series on my podcast called Shit My Mama Said, <laughs> and it's literally having like women tell stories about messages they got from their grandmas, their aunties, their moms. So I love that your message was positive. Like, no, you can wear a paper bag. Well, it's let's see. It wasn't all positive from everybody, but you know, that's <laughs> one good example. <laughs> that one good example, right? But like, that's, you know, a little bit of shining light <laughs> that you had yeah. compared to, I think, so many stories that I've heard from women of... Very interesting things they've been told. Oh, I've been, I've been told, you know, you know, the same grandmother, I I will tell you, um, she created this terrible, not terrible belief in me, but I don't, this is pink in my book, right? But some people may say this is a little lavenderish purple. I don't wear purple. And the reason I don't wear purple is because my grandmother, same grandmother used to say purple kills love and she would not wear purple. I don't know where she got it from. I don't know where she heard it, but she never, oh, no, never. And she didn't wear black because that was the color of death or brown because it would just wash her out. But it's interesting, right? And even to this day, like, um, I'll I'll have to tell us a funny story. Oh, my God. When I got married, my second wedding, my mom wore like, purplish shade it wasn't purple outright but i remember when she bought the dress i was so angry and talk about how we create pain for ourselves i was like how dare she buy this purple dress to my wedding purple 
kills love. And 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 I remember just stopping and thinking, that's so stupid. Like <laughs> Like, okay, that doesn't have anything to do with my commitment, my love, my wedding, my life with my husband. But yeah, I had to like really rein my, and this is 10 years ago. This is before I became a coach and worked with a coach full time. But yeah. But it like, it, it's in the ether, right? Right. So like something your grandma said offhand about the color purple, like it sticks with you. Mm-hmm. So then even though you're like, okay, that's irrational. And my rational brain says like, I can wear purple. Nothing bad's going to happen. But there's like a little part of you that's like, love killer love killer mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> you can't help it right like and so many women have these stories i love that your grandmas were like specific to color references like she has yeah. her own like you know magical beliefs about and she never colors. would t- and i remember you know we were very close and i would question her and i would ask like what do you mean who told you that and because i was the kind of child who to my to everybody's dismay growing up i never would like not say whatever was on my mind and I was on borderline malcriada, but not really, just sassy, you know. And um, it was in my mind. I was saying, I'm like, what do you mean? Who told you that? I don't, where did you find that? Did you read that somewhere? And she's like, no, it's just she wouldn't talk about it. But she was so adamant. Like there was nothing purple in her home. She would look at someone and be like, hmm, she's wearing purple. Her love's going to die. <laughs> How crazy is that, right? <laughs> But I love it because she's so sure, right? So she has this idea. She's so sure of it. She rearranges her life around it, like, which we all do, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I I have clients who are committed to the idea that they're not allowed, like, literally not allowed to wear black and blue. Mm. Like, I'm not sure what they imagine is going to befall them, but, like, they're not allowed. My mom could be one of those clients. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Like, but we get it in our heads. Like, black and brown are no-no. You can't wear white after Labor Day. Yeah, And even when we actually find the history of where did that come from, like the white laughter Labor Day thing in <laughs> particular, like, oh, okay, so when rich people started having leisure activities, they wore white on purpose because right. they could afford to wear white clothes, have somebody else wash their clothes, mm-hmm. and it was a symbol of wealth. So that's like a holdback. Do we really want to still say like only fancy people can wear white when they want to? Like, no, <laughs> no, no, not really. Not really. No, not really. Like, mm-hmm. but it becomes part of like, it comes in the ether and then we're right. like, well, where did we get that? Where did we get and that? We- Absolutely. Um, do I want to continue to believe this? We totally have a choice. Of course you have a choice. And I think that this is the thing where I loved, um, we had an interesting conversation last night uh, as we were getting to bed with my husband. He was watching TikTok. Because, you know, we entertain ourselves a little bit before bed. And, and there was an account that the woman came up and she was doing a tick and she's she's topless, but she didn't have that much of a boob. And he's like, oh, my gosh, TikTok didn't pick up on this. But I think it's because she had short hair, little to no boobs. And he's like, do you think it will become acceptable for women like in five, 10 years to be topless? And I thought what do I believe about this? Like, wait a minute, like the feminist in me says yes, but like, then like the old beliefs are popping up like, oh, that's terrible. And I had this like little, you know, thoughts just fighting inside my brain. I'm like, I don't know. I just, you know, it's go more power to her, but I don't think it's going to be me. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like the cognitive dissonance right? comes up like immediately. And I think whenever you talk about style stuff, if you're around like, you know, really smart women, feminists, you know, feminist-leaning women even, then suddenly we come up with the cognitive dissonance. Well, yep. why should I care about that? Why is it important? Mm-hmm. My brain is more important. What I can do is more important and has more value. Like, And it's so interesting because it's like, yes, and also no, and then yes, maybe, it depends. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know, it we depends. have to commit. We have to commit, but we we still have to kind of like get there. Um, I want to ask you about underwear. <laughs> oh, let's, let's do it. It's one of my favorite topics. I know, it's one of your favorite topics. So for anyone who hasn't heard you and is not familiar a little bit about um, what you talk about and your views on underwear, let's. Let's dive into this because I have been guilty of getting to those underwears that don't serve us. But why don't you take it up and, and tell me about your views on underwear? Girl, did you just give me a soapbox? Thank yeah, you. I did. I did. You're welcome. <laughs> well, I mean, I feel like the revolution is going to start in the panty drawer. I, like, and I say that tongue in cheek, but also very seriously. So 
what I advocate, for those of you who are not familiar with me, is I advocate that women really throw out any underwear that doesn't fit them. And I call them janky panties. You can call mm-hmm. them ill-fitting underwear, whatever your pleasure. I like the janky panties the best. Yeah, I like janky panties personally, but like really is the idea to help women to find confidence by making these small decisions in this tiny way to find things that serve them better. Mm. And janky panties is the first place to start because I think it says a lot about women based on sort of the condition of the janky panties they've got going on. So for my ladies who are like holding out for that smaller size and running around in panties that don't fit them. And they're like panties are tight or falling and like riding up their butt cracks all day. We've got our ladies who have lost weight maybe and are like terrified that they're going to regain weight. So they've got the droopy drawer situation happening. Mm -hmm. And then we got our ladies who all their panties have somehow become period panties. Like everything's got holes or Mm. stains. The elastic is shot. And I mean, I don't mean to be trite by categorizing people in these like sort of three categories, but if you fall somewhere along the way or into two or three of these categories, somewhere along the way, your relationship with yourself has become such that you've decided to ignore what your body is telling you Mm. because it's more important that you fit into some ideal, whatever that is, or you've literally just stopped caring. Yeah. I think that is so true. Like we can you buy in like to change your panties, (laughs) like low cost threshold, easy to chuck out. We don't have to worry about donating it because you really can't donate your janky ass panties. Like Mm -hmm. we could literally get rid of these things. Yeah. Just throw it out. Just throw it out. Like literally like get free. Yeah. I think there's freedom in that for sure. Oh, total freedom in it. Yeah. Total freedom in it. I, um, I found myself as, you know, when, I, I might have, we might have been married like two, three years, and I've been married ten years now to my to my new and improved version of husband. And um, I I remember like all of a sudden I'm like, oh my god, like what is wrong with me? Like this is terrible. Like I I had fallen into a couple of those categories, if not all three, right? And and I remember I made it a point that no, you know what? And I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for me because yes. I need to show up. And feel like my bra's not falling off. I'm pulling up my panties or, you know, embarrassed. And not that I get embarrassed easily, but still, right? And um, I went ahead and I did the, I forget what, the, the Dia or whatever box. I did one of the subscription boxes that sent me the bra and panty sets. And I thought, okay, here we go. Upping my game in here. And it just made a big difference. It made a big difference. And, you know... I have to say, when I started to do that, and I I don't have hard data, but I was promoted. I was promoted not too far after that because I think that all of a sudden I was more in in like my skin in feeling together and not having that deep shame like, oh, my God, I'm so together on the outside. But inside, you're like, oh, my underwear have holes or falling off or too tight, right? Yeah, no, I think it feeds a little bit into your imposter syndrome, right? Like on the outside, you're presenting as like this together woman. And then secretly, like if you were to pull up your panties in the wrong way, your thumb would punch a hole right through the fabric. Mm -hmm. Like if there's that, we already have enough imposter syndrome running around. We don't need it in our underwear drawer too. And I think sometimes the conversation around panties and bras and undergarments with women is really because it's like sexual in nature. Right. We're trying to worry about attracting the male gaze or keeping the male gaze. Mm -hmm. We want to be flatter and smoother. And like, those are the conversations we're having versus how about you just put on a pretty pair of panties that fit you. Mm Mm-hmm. Or really just, they don't even be pretty. They could just be panties that fit you, my friend. Oh, for sure. Just for you. Yeah. Like, let that be the secret between you and you all day that you get to keep, that you get to derive pleasure from. Mm-hmm. No one else has to be involved. Yeah. And, like, that's a first step into, like, really developing a relationship with yourself again. And funny story, I just have, I have a client. She's a super powerful, amazing woman in charge of a lot of money. <laughs> like, other people's money and there's bazillions of it. We'll just say (laughs) lots of other people's money. She gave a talk and there was young um, executive females in the room and they came up to her and they're like, what's your advice? And, you know, give us some big advice. And she's like, all right. And she like looked around, she says, and she looked at them (laughs) and she was like, I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound really weird and it's going to change your life. (laughs) And we had just finished refreshing her bras and panties. She's like, everyone go get a bra fitting and buy a bra that fits you. Amen. 
And she, they were like, A freaking men. Like, she was just like, what? Like, she had this reaction. They were like, what? And she's like, who has an uncomfortable bra on right now? And like, she's like, yeah, they raise their hands. She's like, how distracted are you by that bra? Oh, for sure. Like, Absolutely. we have better things to do, ladies. We've mm-hmm. got better things to do. And she said, like, they take care of on her advice. She got some email responses. Like, and I'm like, this is how the revolution begins. Like, but it really, is a revolution. It's a revolution. No. And and we we spend so much time into what face cream we're going to wear, we're, what we're throwing here and there, you know, the bracelets we're going to wear, the perfumes of this. But the reality is that even if we're putting all of that, we, we're trying to, you know, for, we're forgetting that if I'm like pulling my, and I'm doing this because, you know, this bra is like not probably the best today, but because it's a workout bra, but that's the reality, right? Like- I, I I watched the Oprah show where she had the women fitted and I was traveling a lot for work and I happened to be in Chicago and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to Marshall Fields and get fitted. And I remember this is like, I was in my thirties and it was, you know, I, I, I always worked, put myself through school and talk and, and, and I started to make good money back then, but really I had never paid like good money for a bra. And I walked into Marshall Fields and the woman fit me. And I was like, I've been wearing the wrong bra. Like, oh, my <laughs> God. And then when when she, I went to pay and I was paying $70 for a bra, I was like, oh, oh my God. My 24-hour bra from Walmart is not making it. <laughs> Cross my heart. Cross Play my fast. heart, right? It's not <laughs> going to work. But that bra lasted me. That bra gave me confidence. I could go on stage and speak. I could be in a meeting in the boardroom. And I mean, and I had a couple. And since then, I am a big advocate of of fitting yourself, getting the right bra. And it doesn't matter if you're going to spend money. Just spend it because you're going to use it. It's well worth it. It's worth every freaking penny, y'all. Like, and I love, Julie, that you talked about, right? Like $70, if you're used to buying like, you know, a Target brand or a Walmart brand, there's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with them. I don't want anyone to right. get the idea. Like we're talking about advocating buying expensive bras. No, right. we're talking about buying a good quality bra and it might cost you more than you're used to. Mm-hmm. But my friends, it will be a right. game changer. Absolutely. Especially since it's like 85% of all women are running around with the wrong bra size. Mm. 85% of you- listening right now are super uncomfortable and you've suddenly become aware of your booby bubble, your mm-hmm. booby popping out underneath your band, the writing, the strap falling, like if yeah. you raise your awareness today, our mission is complete. That's right. And and you know what? Once you, and this is the other thing that I started to see from my 30s to 40s and now I'm 51, right? Um, I started to see that I can look at something. And first of all, I know brands. I know how certain brands fit me, uh, like Jones, New York, Address, Jones, New York. I know my size. I don't even have to like try it on. It's it's game, right? I'm good. But you, you, the more that you invest into caring for what you wear and, you know, making sure that you're comfortable, but it also has the right fit, you're going to start to know what flatters you and and where to shop for the things that work for you. Yeah, exactly. So it takes practice and Mm -hmm. it takes time. So if any of you are sort of new to this journey and you're like, okay, I could up my game, I could up level, Mm -hmm. like find just like, first of all, find what's working for you. Cause sometimes there might be some gold in your closet that you haven't played with in Mm -hmm. a long time. If you have favorites, right? So like Julie just mentioned Jones, New York, she knows what her dress size is. You're going to have something similar in your closet that is your go-to that you're wearing the crap out of, and it might just need some refreshing. Mm-hmm. We don't need to rehaul your whole wardrobe sometimes. Sometimes we just need to refresh or replace because things have gotten really worn yeah. down. A favorite item. And by looking at like, what's the label? What's the size? When did I buy this? What do I love about this? you're going to have an easier time shopping in a very specific, very guided way. So if any of you are like, where do I start? Well, start with your closet. What do you mm-hmm. love? What's working? Use it yeah. as a goldmine for information. It's so good. I actually, uh, my husband built the closet of my dreams. And right now my closet of the closet of my dreams is looking more like a nightmare because I have been so um, disconnected, I think, from a lot of the stuff that's in my closet. I, I have a complete huge wardrobe in there that for all intents and purposes, I'm probably not going to wear anymore because I'm not going to be wearing my suits at home. I mean, if I'm doing a speaking engagement, maybe, but I'm doing more blazers and, and separates. 
So I need to get rid of that. And I need to really just be conscientious that it's not doing me any favors by sitting there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So I think I like to think of fit as expansive. So yes, Mm -hmm. we want to talk about things that fit your physical body. That's one layer. But a second layer of that, that we kind of don't talk about sometimes is your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. For so many of us, our lifestyle has changed. So the clothes we had for most of us don't fit our bodies anymore. I've had a lot of clients whose pants don't fit, but B, they don't fit your lifestyle anymore. You're not going to the office. I stopped going to physical court. We were having trial on Zoom. Very different experience if you're sitting for four hours of trial, right? So a lot of you, like your lifestyle has changed. Mm. It doesn't, and again, this goes back to the first part of our conversation, the role you play is separate from who you are. Yeah. So if we separate out the role and we don't make the getting rid of suits mean anything about us, the human, then what do you want to wear for this stage of your life, for this particular Mm -hmm. lifestyle that you're living in? Let yourself play there without making it mean anything that you have to get rid of these other clothes. Mm. Or if you've gained weight, not making it mean that you failed some sort of weight loss journey. No, my current lifestyle is this. I'm going to dress the body I have for the lifestyle I currently have. So that might mean ponte knit blazers. And we're not going to do a structured blazer. We're going to do something that feels a little bit more like (laughs) a cardigan. We're going to do some codigans. We're going to have some amazing joggers that we can dress up or dress down. Like we're going to play based on the lifestyle I have so that I can show up my best self here. And then as my role changes again, because I'm a human having a human experience, yeah. I'm in the habit of like, oh, new lifestyle change. <clears throat> we can roll with it without making it mean turmoil or upheaval for you. Yeah. And I think that for me, that's a little bit of where I started to feel the pressure cooker, right? Because not only is my closet comprised of um, you know, the stuff that I would wear to to uh, to a meeting and, and the structure blazers and suits. And then I would have the clothes that I started to get into as I was losing weight. And then all of a sudden, I was making it mean that I had failed. Um, yeah. And now I know that I need to just downsize to what fits, what fits great, what I love wearing. And I do have a lot of that. Let's, you know, but I I need to just, do away with what is not working, what is not part of my lifestyle now. And I think that that's where a lot of us have a lot of hesitancy. Yeah. And I get the hesitancy, especially since the outward message is that somehow you should be able to fit back into these clothes Mm -hmm. from a decade before, two decades before, right? That that's somehow like a sign, like a a merit badge. Well, I fit into my old clothes and we've made it this like Mm. thing to achieve as opposed to like they serve their purpose. I'm so grateful to them. Now I can move on from them. I can pass them along. Like they were part of that part of the story. Mm -hmm. Now I'm writing a new chapter in this story. And I'm going to expect that there's a different cast of characters for this new chapter. Ooh, that's a good way. I love that. Right? Like, so the clothes are the same way. Like, I always like to say, like, your clothing is auditioning for you. You're the leading Mm -hmm. lady of this movie that you're writing, which is your life. Sometimes when we change scenes, there's a whole new cast of characters, a whole new set of clothes to go with whatever the scene is. We don't have to, like, make it mean we have failed or anything has gone wrong here, which goes against a lot of social messaging that you have to have gold clothes and gold weights and you should be able to squeeze your ass into something that you wore when you were 14. Like, no, let me take the pressure off you, my friends. The money is already spent. It's not like you're saving any money by keeping it. That's number one. <laughs> number two, like the woman you're becoming, maybe she doesn't even like that thing that you're so like committed to squeezing back into. Yeah. Like if we really think about the woman you're becoming and the woman you want to become three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, does she even like that dress? Mm. Probably not. Probably not. That's such good advice. And I think that this is where, you know, the should have, would have, could have and those cognitive dissidences come in, that we hear these messages and we really, you know, buy into the story that other people have said. Yeah. And of course, right? Like, that's one of those things that's like in the ether. Like, where did we get that? When did we start believing that? Do we want (laughs) to continue to believe that? And this is one of those things that's like, no. Mm. I can choose at any point in time. I don't want to try to fit into you anymore. And it doesn't mean I have failed anything. Right. I actually don't even really like you right now. And I'm probably not going to like you five years from now. That doesn't mean anything yeah. about me. 
Like, you just failed the audition today. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Thank you for your – oh, my God, I love that. I talk about, you know, there's certain things and, and certain things that make us uncomfortable, but we're not willing to make the change from that discomfort because that behavior or thought is like our frenemy. We are so used to having it that we don't want to get rid of it. But I think that that's the same thing with some clothes. We're so used to, like, it's been hanging there and that we have that memory attached to it, but it's really creating more of a way – on our mind by having it there because maybe it doesn't fit or, you know, it, it reminds us of something and we don't give room for something new. Yeah. And I love you said friend to me, right? Like I call them little piles of shame. Mm. Like you walk past them, it's like taunting you. Like, like hey. <laughs> you can't fit into us. You're not allowed to buy new clothes until you fit into us again. And right. like, what? Who said? Where did we get that from? Like, we don't have to believe that anymore. I like friend of me, though. I'm going to use yeah, that. Yeah, you can use that. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Um, you know, as, as I'm sitting here listening to our conversation, I, I have been listening to your podcast. I've seen you in an OBS. I've heard you speak in, in a couple different places. But what led you to go from the courtroom to here? What was that journey like? Where... where did you start to make that connection and, you know, what what inspired you to give other women confidence and confidence in what they wear? So because you say, I believe confident women can be feminine and fierce AF, confident women leave legacies. Let's build a legacy together. And I love that you're building a legacy because I believe that um, a legacy is so much more than just talk. It's something yeah. that can impact people. You're like my grandmother, right? You never met my grandmother, but now you know that purple kills love, right? That's a little <laughs> legacy. <laughs> so we all have a legacy to live, but tell me what that journey was like. Yeah, I mean, I I grew up with really fierce, really amazing women. And one of the sort of running jokes in my family is like, we all have this like secret signpost above our heads that says, come talk to me and tell me all your business. Mm. And I grew up in an environment like that. Like my mom would meet strangers who would just be like, hi, here's this terrible thing that happened to me today. And they would just tell her, that, I mean, no matter what, we were at Disneyland, at the bank, at the grocery store, like she had this secret signpost of like, come talk to me, come fight in me, I'll love on you, I'll encourage you, and I'll send you back out. And I grew up in that environment, and I have the secret signpost. My sisters have the secret signpost. <laughs> I attract friends who also have the secret signpost. And even as a lawyer, I was having interactions with other attorneys that was like, how can I mentor you? How can I encourage you? How can I love on you? And then send you back out to go do your work. Mm. So it became for me, like when I decided to be a style coach and this was what I'm going to do, it was like, how do I marry all the things that I love together most? Beautiful. And I was driving home from Coachella in the middle of the night <laughs> <laughs> and my favorite um, gospel song came on. And I remember praying and I was like, okay, God, I don't know what you're doing. I feel like you're working on something. I would love to make it so I can do style and encourage women and help them. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. I don't know. But if you can make it happen, I would love for it to happen. And I'm just going to leave it in your hands. And I was like crying and like praising and singing. <laughs> it, was, it was a mess. But then it was like, then it made sense. It was like, oh, so you take high achieving women who are told they don't have to worry about style. You encourage them. You help them with their confidence through style. Mm -hmm. And that's how we're going to all change the world. I was like, oh, okay. Isn't it amazing that God has a vision that we haven't even thought of? And then all of a sudden when we start to get it, we're like, oh, this is possible because nothing is impossible, right? When it comes right. to God. and But we are so nearsighted that we can't see the road ahead of us. Oh, heck yeah. And I have, like, I feel like I have a whole life of there are things that have happened that I would never have even knew, like I would have never have known to ask for it. Like I couldn't have prayed the prayer to ask for this thing because I couldn't even conceive yeah. of it. Yeah. And I'm always <laughs> he surprises <laughs> and delights constantly. So <laughs> I know. It's it's you know, that's how I figure I need to be to others. Surprise and delight because I get surprised and delighted all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, I mean that's kind of just the transition. And then finally at some point it was like Okay, we could help a lot more women mm. if we did this full time and dedicated to it full time. Like part time was perfect for now and where we needed yep. to be. And now it's time. And it was mm. cool. It was like 
I was beautifully sent off. Like my coworkers were loving. My partners at my law firm were like, we're your safety net. If you need anything, we've got you. We're like so (laughs) excited for you. We're so proud of you. And it was like the timing was so perfectly orchestrated because everybody was ready for me to go. And it was, it was perfect. It was so perfect. I was so blessed in that way. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. You know, one of the biggest things that I believe is that there is a time and sometimes we choose to ignore the timing, right? That may be presented to us, but if it's meant to be, it comes back and we have that opportunity and that door open for us for sure. Yeah. And, and the other thing too, like just to add to that, don't always be in such a rush, my friends. Mm, so like, true. Things will unfold. Like it'll be okay. And you, you didn't miss out on anything, I promise you. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, I'm, I'm curious, who is your favorite style icon and why? Oh, that's such a good question. There are so many. Um, so I would actually say Edith Head, who's a famous mm-hmm. costumer um, during know the she golden is. age of Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and she gets credited for designing things she actually did not design. <laughs> but she was sort of her backstory is so funny. She grew up in San Bernardino, California, of all places. So she did not grow up in a glamorous place. Um, she pretended to have more skills than she actually had. So she like mm-hmm. pretended to be able to draw and like she didn't know any of that stuff and was like sort of self-taught along the way, like totally faking it until you make it like truly love it. So I admire her tenacity as much as I admire the projects that she was involved in. So mm-hmm. a lot of the costumes she did on Alfred Hitchcock movies, um, her participation in Sabrina, even though Givenchy did most of the clothing that was right. most famous in that movie. Like, I admire the fact that she got top billing, even when it really wasn't her design, that or like made famous. Um, and she, oh, you know, had a ton of Oscars for costume design. So, like, I just admire the woman as much as I admire like her aesthetic mm-hmm. and her eye. Right. Um, she's probably like a huge one at the top of my list for me. I think that that's terrific. I'm so glad you said that because, you know, I think that there's a lot of different directions that we can go, but this gives the listeners, you know, inspiration to know that their tenacity is one of those things that sometimes that takes you a little further than the actual skill that you may not have. And we get so stuck feeling like an imposter, but if you have the tenacity, you know, girl, you may not have the skill, but go try it out anyway and keep going, right? Yeah, sign up for stuff and be like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. Sure. <laughs> yeah. And then just show up to places where famous people are and do things, I guess. And do things. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. I love that so much. When you're working with clients, there's a couple different things that I, I, I know that, you know, you talk about the edit, the design, that you're creating a wardrobe. Tell us a little bit about that and how um, do you walk a woman through the process of learning about their body, how to dress for their body and be confident and create that legacy that we've been talking about. Yeah. So my framework is like you said, so the first phase is the edit. So the first week together, I call awareness week. You send a picture of what you're wearing to me every single day. And it's not a torture device, but it really is to gauge like what thoughts are, do you actually think about your body that you might be ignoring? Um, Mm -hmm. What are you wearing? And it's something very interesting about sending a picture of yourself to someone. You suddenly are very aware of everything that's not working. So it's Mm. like a really great laser focused tool so we can hit the ground running. And then we edit your undie drawer. We edit your closet. And then we start to craft what it is you want. So Think of it as like, what's not working for me? What don't mm-hmm. I want? That's the edit phase. And then what I do want is, okay, let's create a personal style statement. So for this stage in your life, I give you a tool to define what your personal style is. And then you have that tool that you can use. Again, lifestyle yeah. change, role change. You can yeah. do the project all over again on your own. <laughs> so we create your personal style statement. We shop your closet. And then we start Love to figure it. out where the gaps are. Like, okay, we've we've cleaned up the closet for fit. Now we're cleaning it out to see if it fits your personal style. And then we figure out where your <laughs> gaps are. And then I shop for my clients. I also teach them how to shop on their own. That's awesome. And then how to create tons of outfits. And each step of the way, we're working on body image. We're working on confidence. We're working on negative self-talk, how to create more positive self-talk. We do some embodiment work. So we kind of tailor things depending on where the client is. We custom tailor sometimes like, okay, here's some journal homework for you in particular that I recommend. Here's an embodiment exercise I recommend. So depending on where the cohort is and the group is and the individual is, we tailor some things. So 
laced with the practical style stuff <laughs> is the mindset work and the confidence work. You know, the mindset work is so big. And I think that even when, you know, when I'm working with clients too, I, yes, I'm going to teach you everything that you need to know for business. But if I don't work with your mindset, you know, that you're not going to get very far. So I think that this is a, the biggest thing that you can begin to shift and the habits that you can create uh, with yourself is to, you know, create that thought. What do you want to be thinking to accomplish that? Because if you have to show up for your job and maybe um, go into a sales call, but you're thinking like, oh, they're never going to buy, or your thought is like, I'm terrible at this, then you're right. You are. <laughs> <laughs> It'll show up in your results, right? It will like show you up have in your that results. kind of spot, that'll Absolutely. be the results you get. Right. Yeah. That's that's exactly it. Um, I was thinking a lot about um, you know, again, my personal journey. And one of the things that um when I started working from home, I was going into New York City maybe either for the day or overnight for a couple of days out of the week for work, but still working from home in my um my dad said to me, and he, he was an executive and was in the corporate world for a long time. He was my mentor. And he said, honey, when you're at home, you need to dress every day as if you're going to the office. And I'm like, what? Like heels and everything? <laughs> Obviously not <laughs> heels and everything. But like I thought that's the oddest advice I've ever gotten. But it's it's really one of the best pieces of advice that I have gotten. And even through the pandemic, when I started to hear all the things, you know, people are like, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not dressing or I'm wearing my pajamas and I'm wearing this. And I, I mean, I've toned it down a little bit, but for the most part, I put my makeup on every day and I feel so good. I, I, I don't, I, it's like my little ritual. I put my makeup, I dress, I wear my jewelry um, because I think that it does have an impact of how I'm showing up. Do you, do you find that? Is that something that, um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think for modern humans, we dictate what our next activity is by what we're wearing. Mm. It's like a weird modern phenomena. And nowhere else in human history did we have this many changes of clothes and clothes that are specific to the activity we're doing. But this is very much a part of the modern era and how we live our lives. So for most of us in the before time, we were using our clothes to signal what our activity was. So I wake up in the morning, I put on a suit, my brain now knows business mode. <laughs> I come home after work and I put on my leisure clothes, my brain knows I'm no longer at work. I put on my pajamas, my brain knows I'm going to bed. So I'm signaling through my clothing what my next activity is. I put on my gym clothes, I'm going to the gym. I'm going swimming, I put on my swimsuit. Like <laughs> this is the modern life of humans. Yeah. So that pattern for so many of us got disrupted. And we were no longer putting on our suit or our office attire or whatever right. it is. So our brain was like, well, what the fuck are we doing? Well, I'm going to be in my jammies. I'm going to be in my jammies. So we never <laughs> made the transition switch to activate that other part of our brain that now we're doing some different activity that requires more focus, more whatever it is, right? right. So I, a lot I, of us, a lot of us need that. And <laughs> it's okay to incorporate it back in. Yeah, I love that so much. You know, Judith, I could probably talk to you all afternoon because <laughs> one, you're talking so mindset. Good. That's totally my jam. You're talking clothing, which I love. Um, but I, I really wanted you to come and talk about all these different things and give people a glimpse into what you do because women – we need to show up for ourselves and the best way to show up and to grow your confidence, no matter where you are and what you're doing is to love the skin you're in and dress your skin in a way that is going to remind you that you're worth it. And, and please connect with Judith. How can they find you? Yeah. Um, so they can find me by going to judithgatan.com or just find me on Instagram under Judith Gatan, And that's a great way to make it into my world. See what we're up to. If we're running a challenge, you're more than welcome to join. So those would be the two ways to come in. And you also have a book. You want to plug a little bit of the book? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my book is called How to Be a Fucking Lady. Sorry, Love husband. It. <laughs> <I'll> live. <laughs> yeah. How to Be a Fucking Lady, which you can find on Amazon. And the Kindle version is 99 cents. So, so good, people. Oh my gosh, Judith, thank you again for coming to Casa de Confidence. It's been so fun to be able to talk to you. I know that we will continue to collaborate and do some stuff together because you're my people. So you oh, are okay. you, you are you definitely amazing. Me. Thank you so much. And Judith, don't forget, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Thank you, friends. See you later. See you later. 
Thanks for joining us this week on the Casa de Confidence podcast with Julie DeLuca Collins. Remember to check her out on Instagram and Facebook and always click subscribe to catch every new episode. Remember, leave a review so we can continue to bring you fresh content. And as always, go confidently in the direction of your dreams. everybody. I know that sometimes we get very lonely in this entrepreneur journey, and I want to invite you to join us into our limited time only Purposeful You Mastermind. For many of us entrepreneurs, we believe that we can do it all, but the reality is that doing it alone only creates a lot of overwhelm. So join us at the Purposeful You Mastermind. You can find out more information by going to bit.ly forward slash Julie's Mastermind. This is going to be the place where you are able to then unlock your full potential and achieve long-term success for your business, push you behind your current limits, expand your connections, discover new ideas, and implement them with confidence. You're going to get the support in all aspects and transforming you to the six-figure business you've been looking for. Pause and get off the hamster wheel if you've been spinning around. This is a time where you can get that support from like-minded entrepreneurs that are here to join you in your journey. Together, we can challenge the assumptions and land the speaking engagements and opportunities we want to grow our business and make an impact in the lives of people. See you then. Remember, you can find the mastermind at bit.ly, Julie's Mastermind.